I'm Ben Solak, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Kelly, Danny Heifetz, and Craig Horbeck. Join us twice a week as we talk everything NFL Draft and break down all the players who will make your team better. Except the Rams, because they don't really have any picks. Check us out on the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NFL show. I'm Nora Pinciotti. I am here on a Friday with Steven Ruiz. Uh, Steven, you just told me you found a cat sitter. How else is it going on this, this happy Friday? That's the only thing that matters in my life right now is finding someone to watch my cat. But now that I have, I feel good. I'm off next week, so I'm, I'm leaving you losers behind. I'm going on vacation. I hope you guys enjoy the the second to last week to, of draft season, which I always feel like is the worst. I feel like that's when the hot takes really start coming out and the bad takes really start coming because out. Because people run out of material and then you just, you, yeah, the take machines go into overdrive and it's just like, oh, well, said everything smart that I can think of, so... Yeah, I, I think Kendon Hooker stuff. is. I think Kendon Hooker is a combination of Patrick Mahomes and LeBron James. Like those are the type of takes you start getting. In the week you before. are on the warpath against basketball comps. No more. I guess I was too in our last episode. They don't make sense. <laughs> Bryce Young is really gonna Bryce Bryce Young is really gonna improve the the three point shooting of the Carolina Panthers, and that 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 will make the difference. You know what? Anything's possible. Okay, we are finishing up our team needs series today with the NFC playoff teams. But before we do that, there was a bit of news yesterday, which is that the commander's sale, there is a there is a bid that has been reportedly accepted, the Josh Harris Group's bid to buy the commanders for around $6 billion. Now, I should say that there is some reporting from ESPN that that is not quite, not quite at the finish line. Um, that there is still an opportunity for the other group to get a final bid in there. So we'll see if that actually goes through. But it seems like the commander's sale is uh, nearing nearing completion to the Josh Harris group. Stephen, did you are in the district? Uh, what's the report from on the scene? People partying I don't know. in the I, streets. I, I don't think I've left my apartment since the news broke, so I can't really give you that. I'm looking out my window right now and. Uh, no one's celebrating it, so I don't know. But it's it's always a wait and see <laughs> thing with these owners. Like I know, not being Dan Snyder is a is a very good pro. It's a very good thing to have in your pro list. But like bad owners come from all walks of life, and we don't know what the what Josh Harris is going to be as an owner. So 
I, I, I think DC is in a, a holding pattern with the owner. I think they're very excited. Like you listen to the radio and they're very excited that about the prospect of, of Dan Snyder selling the team. This is like going back months now. And I think it it's going to rejuvenate the fan base. This this team just has a lot of, of goodwill to build up with this fan base because they haven't won in a while. They haven't really given them anything to cheer about. They've given them a lot of reasons to boo. And I think even just bringing in a new owner isn't going to be enough. There, there are a lot of uh, loose ends that need to be tied up. I agree with you that it's a little bit of a wait and see thing, but I feel like it's for a different reason. Um, Josh Harris owns the 76ers uh, ownership in the New Jersey Devils as well. So in some ways, we do have a sense of, of how he'll run a professional sports team. I also just think that anyone who is not Daniel Snyder is such a massive improvement almost automatically. And I, I feel like I can say that without a sense of naivete about, you know, a lot of, of major league sports ownership groups have their own issues. But just, you know, Dan Snyder, he sued his own fans. The, the All of the issues of that place being an absolute dumpster fire to work in go back so long. It feels like almost nobody from coaches to executives, like everybody who goes in there comes out worse for the experience. So if that, you know, if and when this happens, I really feel like even though the bar is so low, it's a great day for that franchise. That said, Daniel Snyder still owns this team. Yes. That guy has a history of some pretty shady business practices until this thing is over the finish line. And again, ESPN is, uh, has reported that um, Steve Apostolopoulos' group uh, can still submit a final offer or is still in the mix um, to try to make a deal to buy the team. So just when you're, when you're doing business with Dan Snyder, it is over when it is completely 100% over. And I think a lot of people have found that out the hard way. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of places are reporting this as like a complete done deal. And it seems like that is the direction that this is headed in, but uh, whether, whether that's true or not, Part of this guy's legacy is that you just can't be sure until you are absolutely sure. So we'll keep you all posted on that. Um, but I do think in the in the long-ish term, you know, sort of the medium to long term, kind of no matter what happens, it'll just be great for that franchise that Dan Snyder is out of there. In the short term, it'll be really, really fascinating to see if with whatever they're still able to do from a team building perspective, which is obviously heavily influenced by whether or not a sale finally does go through before or after the draft and how much time a new group has to get in there and, and try to implement some stuff really quickly. It'll just be fascinating to see if they shake things up at all uh, in terms of what the 2023 roster there looks like. Lamar is obviously the big wild card. Um, but even just the the direction of the franchise uh, in the near term, what they want to do in the draft, I think a new ownership group could kind of influence because we saw them throughout the course of free agency really kind of slow roll things and clearly not want to make any big or in Snyder's case, costly decisions when he could just wait it out and have somebody else pay for it. Uh, so on that note, we will keep you posted on that and we'll see. But uh, if people start having a parade outside your, your window, Stephen, you'll have to keep us posted on that. I'll let you know. 
A couple of weeks ago, it was a carjacking. Maybe it's a parade this time. Uh, well, the Commanders fans will probably hope that we are talking about their team in this section, in this episode next year. But we are not because they did not make the playoffs. A team that did make the playoffs, the Seattle Seahawks, which uh, we will start there. What do you have for their team needs? I have defensive line across the board. Uh, they signed Draymond Jones this this offseason, which I think was a good a good signing for them. But that's one guy. And this is a we know defensive line is a position that you have to constantly maintain. And I think that's something that Seattle, if they want to get back to having a top defense like they did at the over the first decade of Pete Carroll's tenure there, you have to build up the defensive line. That was kind of the secret sauce to that Legion of Boom success. I know the secondary got a lot of attention, but having a deep rotation of pass rushers is key to running that style of defense. And then I, I would keep it on the same side of the ball, finding a, uh, a second cornerback to play alongside Woolen. Yeah. I think is a must. And then wide receiver. I know like you look You're at it on paper. not a big Michael Jackson you, guy? <laughs> no. And I know you look at it on paper, you see DK Metcalf, you see Tyler Lockett, but like we've heard trade talks about those guys for like the last three years. Uh, you have to you you have to keep adding to that position. It's another position that you have to maintain. So there are a lot of of positions they can attack. Thankfully, they have a lot of picks. They have four in the top fifty two. So this could be an interesting draft. And after they nailed last year, if they do it back to back, like that's how you set up a. I don't want to say dynasty, but that's how you set up a long Super Bowl window. And I think they're on the verge of doing so if they can nail this and figure out how to solidify the quarterback position. And maybe the answer is Geno Smith, but if he's not the answer, they have the picks to find another one. I mean, that was just nailing some draft classes was how they set it up in the Legion of Boom era. It would be funny right. if, if they're able to do that again. The funniest piece of this is that we're going to have over the next couple of weeks, probably six or seven different conversations about what they're going to do at number five and whether it makes sense to go quarterback or to try to get an impact player at another position there. And then John Schneider's obviously just going to trade down because that's all he wants to do. Um, but they have seemed particularly thrilled about having that number five pick. I mean, people from that organization have been taking selfies with all the quarterbacks. Pete Carroll at owners meetings was like, this is the coolest thing ever and was just so jacked up about having a high pick. But having the quarterback position, if not settled, then settled if they want it to be settled, um, given that they got the contract with Gino done uh, relatively early in the the free agent process. Um, I'm with you. I think defensive line is probably the biggest need. I would say both lines of scrimmage. I think the offensive line is, is in great shape at the tackle spots uh, with Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, but the interior they could could um, focus on. And then, yeah, the the corner... The corner thing is interesting because the priority is definitely someone to play opposite Tariq Woolen. Um, they also, uh, slot corner, I think, is kind of a need. They've talked a lot about wanting to play three safeties quite a bit this offseason, so I don't know quite how much a priority the nickel corner spot is. But if they see that as a role that they need to fill, um, I think they're working with uh, Kobe Bryant, Um and you could kind of go either way there, but I think the priority is probably who handles the other outside corner spot other than Tariq Woolen. Um, that's that's sort of what I had there. Uh, yeah. Again, they have five picks, including that number five in the top 
83. The quarterback thing is is the wild card if they end up wanting to get a rookie in there um, to work to either compete with Gino or, or work behind Gino. Um, I, I I don't know. The more I think about that, the more I think they're not going to end up doing that. Do you have a thought on that? Yeah, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback. I think they they have enough draft capital to scrounge up some some picks next year if they want to make a move. Like let's say Gino has a year where that was it isn't anything close to what he did last year. Then I think then that conversation starts. Right now you have a guy signed. This isn't like the best quarterback class ever. So I wouldn't be like chomping at the bit to draft one of these guys. They and th- and then they have some obvious positions of need like we've covered at. I would say premium positions, the the kind of positions that you need to draft in the top five. So I think there's a need. I think there, it makes sense for them to stay at five and just make a pick there and just take best player available. Because if there is a run on quarterbacks early, you might end up with a talent that usually goes first overall in another draft that isn't so quarterback crazy. Right, right, right. They did enough, particularly to add to the defense, Draymond. Jones, Julian Love, Jaron Reed, Bobby Wagner, Devin Bush. That was the focus of their free agency period. And that was obviously the the weakness of the team last year. It it seems like they really care about next year. Like they have sort of this luxury to think short term and long term at the same time because of where the roster has ended up and and because Gino played so well and they were able to get that deal done. But I kind of think the short term is going to take a little bit of precedence over, okay, let's really prioritize what this team is going to look like in 2024, 2025, 2026. Um, so yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I think why shouldn't it? Why shouldn't it? Like you look at the 49ers, they have, it's a, obviously the 49ers are a more talented team, but they have an unsettled quarterback situation. Like we're talking about the Seahawks quarterback situation. The 49ers would die for Seattle's quarterback uh, situation right now because you don't know what Brock Purdy is going to be next year. Even if he is healthy and he comes back from the elbow injury, which sounds dicey, you don't know what he's going to be. Trey Lance has played like four football games since he was like 18 years old. We don't know what he's going to be. (laughs) And then Sam Darnold, like, I don't think you're, you're like, oh, we should wait and, and try to build for the future because Sam Darnold might be quarterbacking the 49ers. Like, I think I wouldn't be surprised well, like, if this draft is, is about competing with them specifically, like the 49ers. All of that is them. true about San Francisco. And the Niners feel like what? Like the a top, certainly a top five team in the NFC, probably right. a top three, three? four. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah, the 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 moment is the moment is ripe. So I I think they will end up with a lot of nice mementos of selfies with the various first round projected quarterbacks, but uh, not one of them on the roster. I would cer- I could certainly see them picking a, a quarterback later on in the draft, but yeah. not one of the top guys. All right, the New York Giants. The New York football Giants. I have a wide receiver, not a slot receiver. Um, it's just a little bit of a tricky proposition just because the issue with their receiver group is that they're all little guys. And the issue with the receiver group in this draft is that they're all little guys. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, I guess they could go tight end instead, but after the the Darren Waller move was sort of the biggest thing they did, I feel like that would be a little bit strange. Um, but it's not out of the question because I do think when you look at their pass catching group, they need more size just because, you know, Paris Campbell, they have all the Jameson Crowder, they have all these little shifty guys. Um, and then cornerback, 
defensively, that line has turned into a a pretty good strength. But if you're going to have Wink Martindale, you need kind of better cover corners so that those guys can really go to work. So they've got, it's still like the Cordell Flott, Darnay Holmes situation opposite Adore Jackson. Um, So I could definitely see them trying to find an impact corner in the draft. Um, And then interior offensive line. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Thomas is obviously the the strength of that line. And I think they're probably going to continue to hope that Evan Neal has the same kind of career trajectory that, that Thomas has had after his rookie year, but either guard spot center, definitely ripe for upgrading. Um, those were the three position groups that I had for them. Did you have anything else? I had running back just because the Saquon situation isn't totally fixed. Like they, they franchise tagged him. There's reports that Saquon's not going to sign the, the tag initially. And then you get into conversations about running back value and the contract and what that should look like if they get a deal done. I think it's easier just to, you know, ride out Saquon for this year. If you can't get him on a team-friendly deal that's cheap, then I think you should have someone you know, waiting to replace him. And you have a bunch of picks this year. You have a bunch of picks on the second day in that mid-round range. I think that's the perfect uh, time to find your running back of the future, if that's even a thing that teams consider. But they, they're going to need one because I don't <laughs> think you give Barkley... What is Barkley going to be looking for? Especially if he has a monster year. He's going to be looking for like a Todd Gurley deal. And it, it seems like the Giants... I don't know. Maybe the Giants would be willing to give it to him, but they shouldn't be. And... I think that will test this front office, but that's a conversation that they're going to have down the road. But in the meantime, if they draft a running back, I think that would make sense. This all could have been avoided if they had just franchise tagged Daniel Jones and done a deal with Saquon, but whatever. I'm over it. (laughs) We are going to stick in the NFC East and talk about the Cowboys after this. Oh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. Now, your bits. Feet, toes, come on. Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body, giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a... (sighs) Shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. The Dallas Cowboys. What do you have? This is a pretty well-rounded roster. Yeah, like all of my positions of need are like positions you wouldn't consider premium positions. Like I have tight end, running back, and linebacker. And in today's NFL, you can kind of skimp around those positions and still be good. <laughs> but when when you're the Cowboys, like when you're Jerry Jones, I don't think you ever think like that and you're always trying to win a Super Bowl. So I have tight end at the top of my list. I do think a good tight end, they lose Dalton Schultz. I think replacing him with a difference maker, and I think you can find one at 26 yeah. in this draft. Yeah. I think that changes the, the offense. Because when we saw them, I, I think last year, the offense was a little inconsistent. And then we obviously had the Cooper Rush weeks. But you go back to 2021, when they, I, I believe they led the league in scoring. Don Schultz played a huge role in that offense. And having two tight ends out on the field was like their base personnel grouping. So I think they have to get back to that. And if they want to get back to that, I think you, you have to draft a tight end early. I, I The one question yeah. is, is Mike McCarthy going to want to go back to that style of offense? Because it was more like a Kellen Moore offense, whereas when McCarthy was in Green Bay, at least, it was all 11 personnel. Three receivers on the field, one tight end on the field. 
I don't know if he values the position as much as the the past play caller did. But if he, it, I think he should. I think it would be smart to bring him in. And then obviously finding like a running back, I think makes sense. Yeah. Zeke is is gone. Uh, Tony Pollard suffered a, a, a major injury last year. You don't know what that's going to do to his explosiveness. Yeah. I think you need to find a, another guy. And, th- and this is a league where you need multiple running backs anyway to play different roles. I think they need to find like a guy that can carry the load near the goal line is, is, a, is a position of need for them. And then linebacker is another one just that's been a position of need kind of for like the last couple of years. They've they've taken some swings in the draft. They haven't necessarily worked out. I think they need to find a couple of guys. For for Dan Quinn's system to really work, you need some good linebacker play. I like the tight end call a lot. Um, whether or not they see themselves playing a fair amount of two tight end sets. I, I don't I, just because even if there's even if only one of those guys is playing a major role. In this draft where they are, they have a decent shot at getting a pretty high-end talent and probably someone who, you know, Jake Ferguson is going to be off the field fairly quickly. Um, And so even if it's just like you're looking for someone to fill in that Dalton Schultz role. And again, like, I I think they probably will stick with a lot of three-receiver stuff just because, especially like after making the trade for Brandon Cooks, um, it, it seems like, uh, I guess they did lose Noah Brown. So you're replacing some snaps there, but still, it, I, I have a feeling, or at least my guess would be that they're not planning to incorporate a lot of that stuff. Although Dak loves throwing the tight ends. So I, I, I think it would be a good idea. I just think that your point about it not necessarily being in the McCarthy DNA is probably a sound one, but still, I don't think that that should prevent them at all from considering that a pretty high priority um, along with running back. But I think you'd rather tight ends, not really a premium position either, but you'd still probably rather invest top draft capital there than at, at running back. Although it is the Cowboys. So we will see. Um, defensively, they, they've done so well in the draft in the last few years um, for the most part, at least that, that they could kind of add wherever they see fit. But, Depth of the defensive tackle, I think, would be something um, to pay attention to. Offensive line is not a need right now, but some of those guys are getting old. This is just all I'll say there. Yeah. I think that's another position that they could use some maintenance at. Uh, I would also throw a corner in there. Like, Stefan Gilmore is... I don't see him staying beyond this year. I I think he's a short-term solution at most. So I think you do need you need to add to that position also. This is a, a well-built roster and you like look at the depth chart and they're better than you think. Like before yeah. I looked at the depth chart I thought there would be a lot more holes and a lot more obvious holes at at No, uh, this uh, this is position. a good roster. Yeah. They're in a good spot. If they and, nail this draft, they're another team. If they nail this draft, I think that's enough to to push them into that that tier of contenders. Yes, except <laughs> It's sort of tough because their their free agency period, I think, it, it, when you factor in the trades as well, was really, really, really good and really, really, really strong. And then you remember that the first big move this team made this offseason was more Mike McCarthy. <laughs> and right. yeah, I just, I don't know how that's going to work out. I don't love how this offense is run. Um, and I just don't think that moving on from Kellen Moore really should give anyone a lot of confidence that 
those issues are are going to resolve themselves or that things are going to change there. But from a roster building perspective, I think they've had one of the best off seasons in the league. Um, so we'll have to see how that all works out. A roster that is not in quite so good of shape, but it's just a little bit weird. The Bucks. This was this was one of those, you know, this these are the playoff teams. So you're much more likely to be going through going like, oh, they can go best player available. They're in pretty good shape. Uh, this roster has some holes and it's pretty weird. Uh, the secondary is in pretty good shape, I would say. But the offensive line is probably priority number one to me. They need a ton of help there. Um, but there are a lot of spots. I mean, wide receiver is one of the areas that probably looks the best right now. But Gage, Evans, Godwin are, you know, they're not going to be around forever. That's an older group. Um, so they could could do some work there. Uh, tight end, certainly. I would love to say quarterback <laughs> because I don't know what the Baker Mayfield plan really ends up looking like, particularly behind this offensive line. But I do. I know what that looks like. <laughs> I know exactly what that looks like. I was, and it's not I guess good. I was being polite. <laughs> um, because if Tom Brady couldn't make it work, Baker Mayfield is not yeah. making it work. If Tom Brady can't make your offensive line look good, it, it's a bad offensive line. And I think if quarterback isn't going to be the pick, I think it has to be offensive line. But Jason yeah. Licht has said, the, the GM of the Bucks has said that he 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 would consider taking a quarterback. Uh, yeah, buddy, you should. You should consider trading up too. Yeah, I don't know if the Baker... Definitely consider it. Kyle Trask quarterback room is a good one. And so I, I don't know if the Hendon Hooker addition to that quarterback room makes it much better either. So, oh my God. This is a team that should be trading up and trying to get one of these quarterbacks, or I think they should just be trying to tank and just hoping for next right. year to get Caleb Williams or, or May. Uh, that would make the most they sense. They don't seem to really be interested in doing that either, though, because they put a fair amount, like most of their money in free agency went into keeping guys on the defense. Um, they re-signed Jamel Dean, Anthony Nelson, Levante David. Like, it's weird. It's a weird roster. It's just a very, very strange. And then the factor that you factor in that the division is so weak that it feels like, look, I mean, this team made the playoffs last year and they weren't exactly good. So uh, they're in one of the strangest spots. Um, and I think in one of the most like, oh, are you a little delusional, uh, delusional yeah. about the state of the roster? Um, places to be. But uh, offensive line is the most pressing need if they are not going to go after a quarterback. But I think they should go after a quarterback. Especially with the like the style of offense that they're going to play, like the play action wide zone style of offense. I think you need an offensive line. And if you're going to get the best out of Baker Mayfield, you better have a, a good offensive line. That's what we. That's yeah. where we saw him have the most success in Cleveland. They have the pass catchers to make it work. But if the offensive line doesn't work, as we saw last year, the offense just kind of tanks. And Baker Mayfield isn't going to save that. If anything, he's going to make it worse. All right, next up, we will go to the Minnesota Vikings after this short break. All right, the Vikings. I have wide receiver two, um, someone to to play opposite Jeff, um, Jefferson. Currently, they've got 
KJ Osborne and Jalen Naylor, who had a couple of good moments last year, but barely played. Um, I, I think that's the biggest priority. Uh, obviously, they they lost Adam Thielen, so replacing him um, is, I think, the the number one thing that I would think that they might look to in the draft. Uh, the other thing is that Brian Flores is their defensive coordinator now. I think implementing that defense, you probably want to be in a situation at in a better situation at cornerback. Um, you want some better man cover corners there. Uh, they are currently using Andrew Booth Jr. and a Caleb Evans, um, who are two guys they drafted last year, and then Byron Murphy in the slot. Um, but I think you could pretty easily see them upgrade there, especially through the draft. Um, they don't have a ton to work with. They have the 23rd pick and then their next pick after that is at 87. But I think wide receiver two and cornerback are the the top two that I had. Yeah, those are obvious ones. I, I would throw center on there also. And I would, I would put edge. I think sure. Daniel Hunter, he's still on the team, but, and I don't know if he's like stripped all, all mention of the Vikings off of his Instagram, but it spiritually, it feels like he has like over the last <laughs> two years, like he does not want to be there. And I think eventually he's going to get his wish and, and leave. But we've seen this style of defense, like the Patriots style covet a certain type of defensive lineman. And I think that's one of the outside of cornerback, which I think is an obvious area where they need to rebuild that to, to get it to a point where it could play. And, and cope in a Flores defense. But I also think defensive line is something else that needs to be reshaped in order for the Flores defense to work. So I, those are the two positions that I think they should really attack. Wide receiver is a need, but I don't know if like where they're drafting, if it makes sense for them to go after one in the draft yeah. necessarily. I think maybe that's one where you just wait for maybe a better class of, of receivers. But I would focus on the defense this time around. I think if... If Kirk can play like he played last year, I think the offense is going to be fine. And then you just need a defense that wasn't as bad as the defense they had last year, which is very easy to win. That's a low bar. You could you could clear that bar very easily. But I think that should be the priority. And this is a very winnable division. I know we talked about it a lot totally. during the season. The Vikings weren't as good as their record. They won 13 games, which sounds ridiculous in hindsight. This is not a 13-win team. It's too many games. It, too many games, but it can be a 10 win team. It can be a nine win team. And maybe that's enough. Like everyone's banking on Detroit being like some powerhouse next year. I don't know if that's going to be the case. You could win this division if you just shore up that defense a little bit. You mentioned Kirk. I, given where they're picking and that they don't have a ton of ammo to complete a trade up unless it's, it's loaded with future comp unlikely but is there any chance this is a sneaky quarterback team uh i won't rule it out i like hendon hooker it, has been mocked to them and i could see them going for that like i could God. see them falling for that style of quarterback i i don't get the hendon hooker hype he's like 25 he's coming off an acl tear played in a fake offense uh he barely moved in the pocket he wasn't very accurate like i don't like he, I don't understand the hype. I just started watching him a couple days ago, and I, I don't know. If, if you're drafting Hendon Hooker here, what is the plan? Like, wh- does he play this year? 
Does he play next? I, I I really don't understand. He's a guy that needs reps. He's 25 years old already, too. You need to get him the reps right away. And I don't think it makes sense for him, like a quarterback like that. I don't think it makes sense for them to draft a development guy. We saw them try to do that with Kellen Munn. It did not work out at all. It was a disaster. Yeah. But it's hard to do when you have a starter that is you know is going to play. Like, as much as I, like, kind of crap on Kirk Cousins, he's good enough where you know he's not going to lose his job to uh, a quarterback that you take that late in the first round. When they get he's their quarterback also, of the you know deep, what? He's gotten better. Yeah, he is better. He's a better player. Kirk Cousins is better than Hendon Hooker. And he's better than Hendon Hooker, I think, like, logically speaking, than Hendon Hooker will ever be. So I I, I don't get it. I, I I wouldn't get it in that spot. Uh, I think next year is where you do it. I think you just rip the Band-Aid off, draft, like, a, a top-five quarterback, and let him start from day one. I don't think you do the developmental thing, sitting behind Kirk Cousins. Do you want a quarterback learning from Kirk Cousins? <laughs> That's, he probably, he I probably think maybe do. you want a quarterback learning from Kevin O'Connell and that infrastructure and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I, if, I was excited about this when you brought me back to reality and, and reminded me that they could get in the mix for a quarterback and have it turn out to be Hendon Hooker. Um, I've, I've changed my mind. I don't want them to do this. This is a bad idea. Maybe later on. To, you know, take a flyer on someone. Draft Just Kellen Mund again. <laughs> after with the pick two eleven, <laughs> has that ever trying to? There was like a um, wasn't there a like years and years and years ago, a, an issue with Washington where they drafted, they like tried to draft players with picks that they didn't have or something. I don't think it would probably be hard for the same. That sounds like something they twice. do. I know the CFL had like a problem where they kept drafting guys who were dead. <laughs> like it happened multiple times. <laughs> yeah, look it up. Like this is a true story. It's happened like at least three times. I think it happened twice in one draft where like dead people are getting drafted in, in the CFL. So, Did they get to redo the picks? I don't know. You shouldn't be able to. Were they haunted? You should have to pay for the guy's funeral. <laughs> you should have to live with his ghost. <laughs> All right. Speaking of the most haunted team in the NFL, the 49ers, uh, who pick, they don't pick until the 99th pick in the draft. And then they also have the 101st and 102nd. So they just have their own little section. They pick three out of four picks, 99, 101, and 102. That's insane. Yes. It's just like a run. A, a very weird situation. Very weird team. Good team. Weird team. Uh, what do you have for them? Uh, offensive line. I think interior offensive line. And then Trent Williams isn't going to be around forever. He's on the wrong yeah. side of 30. He's getting up there. He's a guy that had injury, has an injury history back in Washington. So I think that's, you always need an offensive line. Every team, offensive line is needed. And then I would say slot defender. You lose Jimmy Ward. Miles Hartsfield is is penciled in as the starter at Nickelback. I don't think that's going to work. I think they need to get better. That's such a an important position in, in today's game, in today's NFL, that you can't just overlook. And I don't think the 49ers are going to do that. And the good news is, I think, in that range that, where they have all those picks, that's where you can, you can kind of find those guys. Like, I'm thinking of like a 
right. Chauncey Gardner Johnson, for instance, was very undervalued in this draft. I think he ended up going like round three or something to the Saints, and he had been mocked to like at the end of the first round. I think that's a position where you can solve that need right away. And then another edge, depending on how you feel about Drake Jackson, who was sort of billed as a, a project type rush end uh, coming out of USC. I think you have to find someone to play next to Bosa. Otherwise, blocking Bosa just is just a little bit easier for teams. And you can kind of see teams yeah. working around them if you don't have that second guy to offer protection. So there's no like real and they lost They needs, lost Samson Abukam and, and Aziz right, Al-Shayir yeah. um, in free agency. So there's some depth yeah. there and that then, needs to be replaced. And then you have to account for the fact that D'Amico Ryans is no longer there. There And like losing a good defensive coordinator necessitates changes in personnel. Like you're not going to have the same scheme. It's, it, I think there's going to be a lot of overlap, but things are going to change. So it's kind of hard to say and, and look ahead at their defensive needs, but I think some are going to pop up that maybe we didn't know were going to pop up before the season started. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can say the same thing um, at tackle, too, on the offensive side, uh, just right. because you mentioned Trent Williams is, is getting up there in years, and then they lost Mike McGlinchey. Um, the interior, I think, feels more pressing. Those guys were better, I think, than people expected them to be last year, but still, you don't have a lot of, like, blue chippers um, on the inside of the line. Uh, and obviously, given... The uncertainty of quarterback, but the fact that it seems like they want to go with Purdy if he's if and when he's healthy enough, and and you want him to be well protected, um, especially given that he's coming off an injury, that should probably be a priority. And it, it tracks, you know, they're not getting a top edge rusher in the draft at ninety nine, but if you're looking for a decent guard who you can develop and hopefully turns into a starter can probably get that done or at least take someone who projects in that way. Last but not least, the Super Bowl participant Philadelphia Eagles. The first thing I have in my notes for their needs is this defense is very old. Yes. And you could even like my my top positions of need are safety center and defensive tackle. Now they obviously have maybe the best center in the NFL in in Kelsey. Also but very he, old. Also very old. And it was talking about retirement during the offseason. You have to, that's a, like that's something I think you have to, you get you have to get that done early. Because it's such an important part of their offense, that that line and and specifically how Kelsey plays into it. I think that's a position of need for them more so than it would be for other teams. And then defensive tackle, like Fletcher Cox was another guy that could have retired this season or could have went for more money somewhere else. And he came back. And, and then Brandon Graham is another guy who falls in that same category. There are a lot of guys that fall in that category. Uh, it looks like a deep roster on paper. But like you said, I, I feel like it's kind of a house of cards. And once these guys start either retiring or just moving on or maybe they, they lose a step, I think the roster could be in a bad spot in a hurry. Now, they have a very good front office, and I think they're going to be able to fix those those holes really quickly, as they did the last time they won a Super Bowl, or the last time they were in a Super Bowl. So I'm not concerned about it, but there are some some spots where you're like, oh, that could be, that could be short up. Yeah, as far as preparing for 
the future nailing this draft would be so, so critical to them. Um, they have two first rounders and knowing Howie Roseman, um, decent odds, he'll turn that into even more picks by trading down. I would be all in favor of that just because they don't have a lot of immediate huge needs, but they have so many. Like you can just see a year or two in the future, some big needs opening up. Um, so I think preparing for that is is the highest priority. Even look, corner is not quite as pressing. They're not quite as old, but Darius Slay is 32. James Bradbury will be 30 in August. Um, there are a lot of positions there where you go, okay, you got your guys now, but if they decide they want to hang them up or lose a step, it's a different situation really fast. Uh, I would also say like the the methods, the the kind of aggressive methods that Howie Roseman used to acquire a lot of these, the players that were added on, the players that weren't already a part of the core, I feel like those are being adopted around the league. And being able to take advantage of those market inefficiencies, if that's what you want to call it, might be tougher to do. Like it might be, you might have more competition to trade for for a Darius Slay, for instance, or maybe you won't be able to get right. a, yeah. an AJ Brown like you were able to get uh, last offseason. I think it's going to be harder to build the roster in the way that they built it the last time. So we're we're going to have to see some evolution by the front office in that regard. So I, I do think it's a, a situation where trading back and just bringing in a lot of young, cheap talent makes a lot of sense for them because it's going to be hard to fill in those those holes and those, those gaps on the roster like they did the last two years. All right. That is all 32 teams. How does it, it feels pretty good. feels like we've, we fixed we've all of them. gotten to know these rosters a little bit. We fixed all of them. We did it. Everyone's perfect. Uh, all right. Well, Steven, uh, you are off next week. You are on vacation. Enjoy it. We will be back or I will be back, uh, with the illustrious Shield Kapadia. We're going to do a little bit of a, a home and home. And I think go through some last sort of cleanup before the draft rumors. Uh, I'll keep you posted on what the plans are for that, but that'll be fun. We'll try to not fall into the final week before the draft stupidity cycle. Uh, do you think we can do it, Steven? If I come back and you're like a Hendon Hooker stan, I'm going to, I'm going to quit. I'm yeah. Gonna quit this that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to come up with like, what's the best weird NBA comp for Hendon Hooker? He's, uh, he's LeBron James. You just go with the, the, the superlative. Bryce Young is Steph Curry. Hendon Hooker is LeBron James. Uh, I don't, Who's the job Miranda? I shouldn't bring that up. <laughs> All right. This has been the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Nora Brunziati. He's Steven Ruiz. We will be back, or I will be back on Monday with Shiel. Thank you, as always, to Stefan Anderson for production on this episode and to Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal for additional production supervision. 